Alright, welcome to a special episode. We're doing a developer interview with Mad Gear. Go ahead and everybody uh, introduce yourselves to the listeners. Um, okay, so I guess I'll start. Uh, my name is Miguel. I'm the um, level designer at Mad Gear Games. Um, I've started like working on games around 15 years ago and I've been in several different companies uh, and now I make small indie pixelated uh, games at Mad Gear Games. Nice, nice. Hello, I'm, I'm Daniel. I'm programmer and composer for Mad Gear Games. And yeah, we started Mad Gear Games like five years ago, I think, or four. And out of that, yeah, I also work in, in, in other companies doing video games as well. All right, yeah, I forgot to, to say that. Uh, so I worked, uh, I, I currently work in Japan in a like company that makes, like, um, provides services to lots of different video game companies. And at the same time, I do all my free time, everything that needs to be done with our games at Mega Games. Nice. Yeah, like we all we all work part time on Mad Gear and part time on something else. Nice. Yeah, I see that as a um, a pattern for a lot of indie game studios and and companies is that it's a more of a passion project, which is really cool to see. And we work over the internet. Like I live in Japan, Daniel lives in Austria, and JJ in Spain. Nice. I think we're missing one person, aren't we? Hiding. <laughs> um, uh, my name is uh, Juan Jesus, or JJ Hagar for friends. And I'm a pixel artist and animator for Madgear Games. Uh, I'm a bit shy, so don't expect me, me to speak very much. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I wasn't off uh, off the mark when I said that you're hiding, literally hiding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Um, yeah, so it's, it sounds like you guys run your show like the same same route as a lot of people creating content nowadays just doing passion projects and um and your quality the bar um you know the one i'm most familiar with is a whole new world but like the the quality and the the, the bar is set really high when it comes to like what you all are putting out thank you for that um like i cannot wait to get the new game that we're working on released because I I think Holy World is quite nice but the new one is really really like in on another level I would say oh yeah it's, it's definitely in my um, the, the questions I'm gonna ask the pile of questions <laughs> <laughs> and actually even for the YouTube listeners I even have an image change from a whole new world to the new the new game so <laughs> right <laughs> sorry yeah. I got ahead I do I do everything like manually when it comes to interviews, so it'll be like a manual transition that I'm gonna click over with the mouse and everything. <laughs> Classics. <laughs> um so so the first thing, um 
obviously it's just it's just me, it's just Jeffrey Winnegan today. Uh, JP had a last minute thing come up, um, so he's not able to join us for the interview. Uh, but basically, he has a couple of questions that he always, he always wants to ask at the very beginning. Um, so we can go around the horn and y'all can answer. Um, so the first question is, what was the first console and game you remember playing? Oh my god. Uh, console, so not a computer. Like Spectrum um, would not work, right? I would say absolutely it works. Like whatever, oh, okay. whatever video game gave you inspiration. Because the one thing is, uh, when JP writes these, he probably writes them for a Western market, and he doesn't realize that out outside of the United States, the PC and computer scene was huge. Like I'm a Commodore 64 guy myself, even <laughs> being in the U.S., and so I get it. Right, so yeah, like the first one would be the Spectrum. We we had a Spectrum at home. My father bought a Spectrum, and yeah, and those were the first games that I would play aside from arcade games. Nice. Yeah, for me, it was the family computer. I know it sounds very weird, but the thing is, uh, I was living in Ceuta at that time, this is in the north of Africa, it belongs to Spain. And we didn't have the NES there, we had the family computer, which is the Japanese version. And the cartridges and everything was different. And actually, uh, I didn't realize, because I was very little, I thought it was uh, another console as the NES. And then much later I discovered that this was like the same as the NES. <laughs> and the game... Game, I remember, I would say... First Mario and uh, Mega Man 2, I think. Okay, One, uh, yeah, and this karate karate game. I don't remember what's the name of the karate game. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe karate. <laughs> or maybe karateka. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, like you had different enemy bosses and you had to fight one after the other or something. It was like boss fights. Interesting, yeah. So on the Famicom, because I'm a big Famicom collector, um, one of my books is NES Oddities in the Homebrew Revolution, where I covered all the Famicom games that U.S. audiences could enjoy. Um, so the two that could fit the bill would be Karataka, which is a little bit... The controls, you kind of like walk along, and it has like ambiance music, and you sit there and you kick and punch, and you control the kicks and the punches. Um, the other one is Yayar Kung Fu. Where you jump around and you can kick and you're going versus the guy with like the pole and the guy who shoots fire. So I'm not sure if it's more realistic or more arcadey. Uh, I don't remember. I'm sorry. I'm checking <laughs> right now in the internet, and is I think it's neither of those. Neither of those. But it's nice. yeah. Maybe it was not karate. It was kung fu. And then we have a lot of <laughs> other games. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot. There are a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I went straight exclusive too. It might have still been released in the West. You never know. I'm, a, I'm kind of a black hole of retro gaming information. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Ooh. My my first console was the the Atari, but I I was uh, too little, so I I don't remember the model. Um. Uh, after that, I I spent uh, a long time without consoles. 
Uh, I, I was playing on arcades and, and such, but I, I didn't have a new console until Super Nintendo. <laughs> okay, that's awesome that you went right into the 16-bit generation. Um, so oh, it, oh, go ahead. Sorry for interrupting. It was the EAR Kung Fu. Ah. <laughs> you nice. know this one? Oh, yeah, that was the IR, yeah. That's the one where yeah, you're jumping yeah. around and have all the different weird bosses, like the guy with the pole. Um, exactly, I, exactly, that yeah. one. I grew up with actually the, tw the Commodore 64 version, and ah. the pole guy used to have a... Like the the pole used to make a noise, <laughs> and he would stick you in the foot, and then you couldn't move. And it was like, ah, oh, he got me again. Like like literally, you'd have no issues going to him, getting up to him. He was like the the fourth boss, and like once you got to him, he would like kick your butt, and he'd stick you with his pole. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, I mean, this game was way too difficult for me at that time. Uh, I, but I remember the pole guy. I think probably is the one he killed me all the time. Well, and the Famicom version is closer to the arcade than other versions of the game. It was one of the better ports, which is awesome. All right, so the second question that um, that we have here is, um, growing up, what is your favorite childhood memories? Like your favorite memory regarding video games. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> JP has really these hard. deep control, like these deep, deep questions that he asks. You, is that something that you have to, like, give us some minutes to think? <laughs> I, I can tell you one. Yes. Uh, I mean, uh, 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 we I used to live like in a in a flat, and and there were all the kids living, and some of them were older, and I had two brothers, so we had the Super Nintendo. And one day there was a, a friend of us that was like five years or seven years older, and he came and said, Ah, I have a new game for the Super Nintendo. I was a little bit older in that time already, and it was the uh, Secret of Mana. Uh, you could play like multiplayer and uh, RPG game. We we all liked RPG games a lot. We we even used to play like tabletop, like pen and paper RPG games. And this was amazing that you could play such a cool game like with two players even. But normally it would be my uh, our friend with my big brother who would play, and me and my little brother would just watch. <laughs> but then he, he borrowed us the game, and I would play with my little brother, and it was so cool. We really enjoyed this game a lot. That's awesome, though. And I, to this day, I, I still don't think I've played multiplayer <laughs> on Secret of Mana, but I've heard it's amazing. I I think it's 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 a different experience. It's it's really super cool. That's You're gonna have an opportunity now that the uh, collection comes on the Switch. You mentioned that the founders behind Mad Gear Games met because of the game Go. Can you kind of elaborate on that? Yeah, so we started to talk and then we realized, oh, we like similar games. <laughs> and then we, we played in the tournament actually after that against each other. Nice, so it all came around a, a small game called Go. And the interesting thing about Go is that 
in the U.S. over here, it's not really known outside of like Japanese manga and anime. Whereas, like, it's, it has a huge presence in Spain. You know what I mean? Like, it's a, it's a big deal. And it's interesting to see that you all met under a similar construct of a, another game. Uh, I wouldn't say that if you go to a random person on the street in Spain and ask them about Go, they will know what it is, but... <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, people who like games and maybe manga, anime and stuff like that, because of the uh, Hikaru no Go influence in the 2000, 2001, I guess. Yeah. Like, more people got to know the game. Okay, so it's more of a specific thing, too, which is really cool. Okay, so the um the next question, it says, um, Your debut release, A Whole New World, was funded through a Kickstarter campaign back in June of 2015. Um, what was your... Was this your first Kickstarter campaign? And if so... What do you think of the entire Kickstarter experience? <laughs> um, it, it was the first Kickstarter that we did, yeah. and, the, and the last. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. So it, it requires a lot of a lot of work uh, to do a good campaign. Like ours was was successful, but. Uh, we ask for little money, and I think I think it's a great tool uh, for some people. But it's it's um, it's difficult to to get the attention on Kickstarter for your game as it is to get it on the storefront. So it. it like sometimes if you have if you have something that a figure that is famous for something like you have a lot of followers already some people who follow you and who wants to buy your games then it's a good tool to get some funding for your game but if if you don't have a fun days or um, something that makes your your game very popular before anything else on on magazines and stuff like that then it it's quite difficult to get the the funds through Kickstarter mm-hmm. we we actually did it just to to do like a first um, attempt at going to the press and and see what happens which uh, was that basically most of the people wouldn't talk about our game but I mean there are hundreds, thousands of games nowadays, so it's understandable. Yeah, yeah. actually, I want to add a, something. From a marketing standpoint, though, Kickstarter's smart. It's a really smart move for you guys. And I looked it up real quick just for listeners, and it's you earned like you had about three hundred ninety-ish backers and earned a little bit under ten thousand. Which, from a game development, especially where a whole new world went. It's not a whole lot of money, so completely understandable. And it's like another job. I've done multiple Kickstarters myself, and it's like another job. So go ahead. Yeah, I, I just wanted to say maybe nowadays Kickstarter works better for some other stuff. Like as 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 long as I've seen tabletop games or or even books or comics, I have the I don't know. I, I think it, it it works better, kind of. 
somehow maybe what well, uh, what do you think well i mean like from because i'm you know the i take all my books to kickstarter but it's a much different beast when it comes to you know paying for a print run of a book which people are literally pre-ordering and getting backer copies of of my books it's a much different beast than developing a brand new game which there's so many different variables in there that can just mess with game development cycle and like it's it's a it's an interesting aspect and i still think that um you know it's still the wild west out there when it comes to to indie game development but my thoughts are like now that you have a track record if you did another campaign it would blow the roof off you know what i mean like it would be a much different beast because you've already have a proven track record with this game a whole new world where the bar set so high now that <laughs> that like basically your next game like you would have way more than you know a few hundred people that would be interested because your name is out there now you know what i mean um it's good to hear i don't know if if it's true that we have like such a big presence in in other people's mind so they would like find us and and back our project whatever it would be but yeah it's it's like we're working on on that direction right of course oh yeah and i mean of course going um with the newly announced first press games that um is doing a physical print run of your game that should only help increase the footprint because even recently because the nintendo switch version of a whole new world is the version that i played of it and even that is starting to become crowded in the digital market space it's becoming very crowded in on the switch and so like doing something like a physical release is going to greatly help the exposure and hopefully get more people to be able to play it that's game's awesome. <laughs> thank, <laughs> thank, you. You. thank you. Except for that damn last boss. He's, he's an ass. <laughs> <laughs> like, damn. <laughs> Kicked my butt a million times. <laughs> Perfect end boss, though. Perfect end boss. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, that's the thing about crowdfunding is you never really know how it's going to go. Um, really, nobody online for the, the quote-unquote marketing companies and they're not really out there for your best interest like i know as soon as i launch a new kickstarter i'm gonna get like 10 20 people messaging me oh we'll help you increase your backers it's all fake <laughs> to me it's all fake like they're not like the only way to to get people interested is to drum up real excitement for whatever you're doing and i think that's where once people play this game you know, then it's, okay, what are y'all working on next? You know what I mean? That's the craziness. Um, and we're definitely going to get into the next game, for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, let's see here. Uh, a Whole New World was released on Steam, PS4, Vita, and Switch between 2017 and 2018. Um, even better, now it's gotten the physical release on the PS4, which I love the Konami artwork for that. That's that's amazing. Um, from Limited Run Games. And pre-orders for the Vita from East Asia Soft. And now the Switch with First Press Games. Um, soon to be underway. Could you tell us about how you and the various publishers connected? Because 
you notice that we said limited run games for the PS4. Vita's the East Asia soft release, and then Switch's first press games. So, <laughs> so, so I mean, I think this might be like one of the first games that we've seen out there that has like multiple developer, like the one developer going through multiple publishers to get their game out there. So, how did that all come about? Um, so basically, um, like limited run is, is as easy as just sending an email and saying, Hey guys, would you like to publish our game? So they played, we sent the, the game to them. They played it, they loved it and they wanted to publish it. Um, actually, uh, it was funny because like the uh, Vita version was not uh, yet released and I think I would have guessed that they would have loved to publish both versions, like the PS4 and the PS Vita version, but uh, we told them, hey, uh, like the guy who's in the ports uh, is finding quite challenging to port it to the Vita, so I don't think it's going to be possible to release the game on Vita. So in the end, we only published uh, with them the PS4 version. Yeah. <clears throat> but then um, the porting guy uh, started to work with East, East Asia on other projects and also started doing more and more ports to Vita so he got to be better at it so um, in the end he gained a lot of experience to, to make the, the Vita ports and when East Asia uh, went to him and said hey uh, this game that you ported to PS4 would you port it to Vita as well, so we can release it on, on physical version? He said, okay, let's do it. And now I think I can do that. So he tried, he was able to do it, and it's going to be released. And the Switch version... Um, so when we... When was this? I, so there, there weren't Switch uh, physical releases when we signed with Limited Run. Uh, as I recall, I think like they had not started releasing Switch games and and so we met like um, the guys at uh, First Press we met at TGS uh, Tokyo Game Show uh, also I also met the, the East Asia uh, people who I, I talked to them about releasing the PS4 version but when we got the the okay from Limited Run I told them hey I'm, I prefer limited run because they are super famous and all um so yeah basically that's that's the story like uh in the case of first press if first press it was uh in a talking game show and in the case of of um limited run it, it was mail just mail like asking it's always a good option yeah <laughs> I mean, it was one of those things where I remember when A Whole New World went up on um, Limited Run for the PS4. And I'm like, oh, they're just going to, Limited Run's just going to publish the Switch. And then it never got announced. And then all of a sudden we saw First Press. And I'm like, interesting. Because I always assumed that once, and assuming always is, is a bad idea. Um, <laughs> I always assumed <laughs> that, um, you know, because, you know, they're releasing it for the PS4. Oh, there's no doubt that they're going to release it for the Switch. And, you know, like with the, um, the limited edition Bloodstain that came out with the same style of Konami background, I'm like, oh, it'd be awesome to have another one for a whole new world and then like have a 
limited series and limited run crushed my dreams but (laughs) (laughs) but first press is doing an ultra style release which is awesome like so you know the the box art for a whole new world from first press looks like the classic ultra um releases like turtles 2 the arcade game which you were talking about earlier like <laughs> yeah like that's what it looks like with the ultra logo looking like mad gear like it it's super cool <laughs> I'm, I'm super happy like like um the artist uh couldn't make it because like he's uh having problems uh sleeping he lives in in uh argentina and it was early in the morning now so uh we told him that apparently he, he wasn't getting a good sleep, so he's probably sleeping right now. Uh, but uh, he's done a great a great job, like doing the artwork. Uh, like we we thought, I wonder if we didn't influence uh, limit, uh, limited run guys to to make this that kind of um, of cover for the uh, Castlevania, not the Castlevania, the Bloodstain. The Bloodstain. <laughs> <laughs> the Castlevania. Um, <laughs> Because like we did it before, right? So, and but then the idea of, of the Palcom cover was from from first press, and and it it was a great idea actually. Oh, it's awesome. The Vita version is not our artist who's doing it, um, but it, it's still uh, uh, a great design. I like it very much. You guys are making it hard to choose. It's like you got a triple dip now because they all have awesome art. Like it's you can get all of them. <laughs> you, need, you need them all. <laughs> yeah. So, so what do you all think about you being technically first press games first Switch release? It's it's awesome. I feel honored uh, that somebody believes in in our work to do uh, a Switch release uh, and have it be the first one. I think it's very, uh, very fitting because A Whole New World is one of those top games. And as I mentioned um, off recording, that I am working on a Nintendo Switch book, and this is one of the top games that I wanted to get a physical release um, that was released during the first year digitally for the Nintendo Switch. And so, like, it actually coming out and being a first release. Let's just hope that First Press is able to, to get it out in a timely fashion. That'd be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I know firsthand how production goes, and it's it's definitely uh, definitely tedious and long. Um, so yeah, it takes time. It takes time. Yeah, exactly. So let's make the jump from eight bit to sixteen bit. Um, I did a little picture change there that you all can't see because we're on audio only talking. Um, <laughs> um, so what can you tell us all about your second title? Um, you know, talking about the, the Kimono Heroes, and it's, you know, from the artwork that I can see, I mean, it looks, I mean, we say 8-bit to 16-bit, but really a whole new world is 8-bit conceptualized and modernized, and now we're about to see that with more 16-bit style graphics, so, uh, what can you tell us about the new title? Um, so... I don't know how to define it because, like, we tried to define it in, in several different ways, and uh, like we started thinking it would be like kind of a run and gun, but then we also have like hack and slash, so it would be it would be like gun and run and 
slash maybe <laughs> and running gun with combos <laughs> right yeah and um so basically it's it's an arcade game for up to four players nice uh with four different characters with uh, some abilities that are different uh for each character and colorful graf- graphics pixel art but like more 16 bit thing um I think it looks really cool from the uh, the screenshots and everything. And uh, what kind of retro game would you compare it to? I- I'm gonna answer now a little bit. So <laughs> yeah, please. So uh, yeah, when we when we started Kimono Heroes, uh, what we wanted to do is something use the experience we had with a whole new world and try to improve uh, above that, uh, let's say, and, and, and also add a couple of things. Interestingly enough, people would ask us, uh, so why, why is there not like mm, cooperative mode in a whole new world? Which was, uh, it, I don't know, a weird thing to hear. Yeah. So we were thinking, oh, maybe we could do like a cooperative game next one. And some people were saying, oh, these graphics look like too old. Why don't you do like modern graphics? You won't <laughs> hear me yeah, say Yeah, well, <laughs> we, we like these graphics, but yeah, we could do next one like Super Nintendo graphics because we also like Super Super NES, no? And then well, another critique point we would get from Hollywood was like, this game is way too difficult. There's like this last boss, which is super difficult, no? So we were thinking, okay, we... <laughs> we could do a game that is now we have three difficulty levels and the normal one is quite challenging but it's okay hard one is I would say as hard as a whole new world but we also have easy now so you you could play so it's it's thought like for people around 30 years old who played this kind of arcade games and now maybe have kids so they can play with their kids uh, multiplayer game you know like playing in easy and enjoying and yeah for references uh, the gameplay i think it's not so it's not so directly referenced it's just a mixture of a lot of things for the graphics and style yeah we we took the theme of japanese mythology and so there's this mount fuji and you have to reach mount fuji and fight this god and all the enemies uh, are like from japanese mythology you know these yokais, these obakes, these this all all this kind of stuff, and so it's it, it takes a lot of Japanese mythology. And for the graphics, is uh, like Super Nintendo Capcom games and this kind of stuff. And the thing is that I noticed is that with the game, like. You all had a very complex style of abilities that you would unlock in a whole new world. Um, are you planning on doing some kind of uh, ability unlock within that, or are you going to allow the four different characters to have the different abilities? Uh, there is there is actually like uh, you you unlock abilities. At the beginning, you have uh, the sword, you have a kunai. And you have a like a super bomb that explodes like contra like, nice. and then you get uh, Kusarigama, 
which is like a hook and afterwards you get a bomb and then you get like a charged slash like some similar thing to you to charge the, the sword and then you release and it's like a shockwave of, of sword uh, so you, you unlock stuff while you play and apart from that every character has also different ability which has from the beginning no? so the sword the, the fox can transform itself into the enemies the squirrel can glide, it's a flying squirrel. The monkey can go through lianas from tree to tree using these lianas. And the, the cat can climb the walls. Nice, so special abilities. Kind of like each Ninja Turtle had their own special ability back in the arcade. Now you have that, <laughs> which is really and cool. I, and I must say, uh, just for, for clarification, that when we started developing the game and the fox ability to transform into enemies, uh, the new Mario wasn't even announced. <laughs> oh, this is before yeah. Mario Odyssey. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so many parallels when things come out. It's like everybody's thinking along the same lines. Yeah, same. actually, actually, when we were developing A Whole New World, the expansion of uh, Shovel Knight wasn't out. Wow. Uh, ah, the, yeah, because the, <laughs> the potions. Thing, right. Yeah. That oh, is, yeah, I think there's it, 100% a parallel to that. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing with but, indie game development, though, is that the development cycle takes so long that sometimes when things come out, I mean, the thing is, is that, like, I announced I was going to work on a Sega Genesis book, like, two years ago, which I've been writing, but I do other books on this. Well, before that, and somebody's going to release the Sega Genesis book before me. It's just how it is. Oh. <laughs> like, it's just how it is. Like it just things take a long time. So it's no surprise. It's just really cool that these same mechanics were like thought of by so many people at the same time. Yeah, n nowadays it's it's you have more people like doing creative work, like games or books or whatever. Uh, than ever before, right? Like it's easier to publish your your own stuff, uh, easier than ever. So, yeah, I guess that also helps uh, having other people like thinking the same ideas and and releasing similar concept. So, are you guys but developing that... this game to be more open world, or is it still going to be level based? It's it's still level based. Nice. Uh, similar to a whole new world, let's say. Reason why I say nice is because a lot of indie games have been jumping on trends and things. And right now, the current trend is to go Metroidvania with everything, just like Bloodstained and just like Oxium Verge and a lot of other games that are going giant, massive open worlds. Where I feel that currently level-based design has been kind of a lost art form recently so a whole new world definitely did it which i appreciated and it'll be really cool to see the new game continuing that <laughs> yeah i'm it's it's a pity because like um nowadays i think uh what most people are interested in uh, is like making the games longer because people think that if a game is longer, then it, it has a like a higher value or whatever. And we don't want that with that. We like, like there is, a, for instance, there's an enemy that appears for 
five seconds in this game, but it's still there. Like we don't want to put it like a hundred thousand times and in through through like make a, a castle of the same thing like over and over again, right? So yeah, I, I noticed that a lot of reviewers and people that play games are always immediately jump into well, how long does the game take to beat? And it's it's not even to me. It's not even about that. Like if you create a game that I can enjoy for the same amount of time as a movie even like that's awesome if it ends up being longer where I'm going around and just on my own exploring and things I don't want to be like rushed through it it's a it's a quality thing too and I think a lot of people go to that quantity that you're talking about and kind of lose the mark on game design I, I think so yeah I, 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 I really prefer like police short experiences than super super extra long games which i mean there are some games that are long but properly done the whole thing without any added extra extra um time now that being said a whole new world is not short by any means by the way it still took me a while to, to play and, and beat <laughs> but um but either way it was crafted expertly and that's the key is like when people start seeing the the, like I said, the bar is raised high. Like when people see the quality level of all the stuff that's being put out by Mad Gear, they're gonna understand that hey, when the next game comes out, it's gonna be crafted well, which is the perfect thing that you want. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, is there anything else that you all would want to put out? Any announcements? Uh, anything out there as we wrap up our interview? Um, <laughs> You're in development uh, now in this game, so it's, it's one of those... I know it's a long, arduous process when it comes to game development. Um, but basically, what what else is going on around Mad Gear right now? Besides, for we're getting a physical copy of a whole new world, and we're getting you know kimono for the uh, for in in the future. In the future, we're getting kimono heroes. Yeah, uh, can I can I talk a little bit in general about timings, Miguel? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess that's it. Yeah, so kimono heroes is almost <laughs> finished now. And then we have to mm, like do the potting and stuff like that. Oh yeah. But as soon as we have finished, we yeah we had already some ideas for next project, but uh, little ideas, not nothing con nothing specific. And as soon as we have a little bit of time, we will start to prototype and try some ideas and see what we want to do. Probably is. Not going to be exactly like a Honey War and Kemono Heroes would be a little bit different, but we don't know yet how. Nice. I mean, there's nothing like uh, creating new experiences, too, right? Yes. <laughs> we are looking forward. It is the best time of the game development, like saying lots of ideas and trying to figure out what to do and then. Uh, like cutting everything because there's no time and trying to figure out how to make a game of what of the time we have. Well, and I think that you're in a good place as a uh, company because you all are developing 
these games, you know, outside of your main source of income, it allows you to really experiment and go all in on what you're currently developing. So it becomes a real personal and, and in my opinion, better honed project. Well, that, that's what indies are supposed to be, right? Exactly. <laughs> that's what it's supposed to be. And then when people take notice, like a whole new world, like then it just opens the door, and now we're gonna see what's in store next for us in the Mad Gear world. <laughs> well, uh, let's go ahead and wrap things up. Um, where can people get a hold of you, uh, follow you at, besides for obviously your, your main website? Um, where else can people follow you? <clears throat> so on the website, we have um, a mailing list that people can su- subscribe. I think we send like one email each year or something like that. <laughs> uh, it's like hey. And then, yeah, uh, Twitter, we don't. Uh, post that many things on Twitter either, but sometimes we publish some uh, images or, or screenshots of what, what we are doing, what we are developing, if if you want spoilers. It's <laughs> <laughs> a perfect one. And also Facebook. We, we also have a Facebook page. Discord. And we have a Discord forum as well. Oh, Discord might be a, a good spot too. Um, I mean, and that's the classic where it's there's never enough time to develop, let alone do the social media push and everything. And being a small independent developer, it completely makes sense. Like I do the same stuff on, on my side of things. And um, so madgeargames.com is going to be your best bet for those listening. And make sure you sign up for their newsletter for sure because... That's where you're going to get the main meat and potatoes of, you know, what Mad Gear Games is, is doing. <laughs> we should probably send an email, like, uh, about the physical release of the Switch version and the Vita version. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Do you have any uh, parting words for those listening? Um... <clears throat> Like I would just say that if you like uh, our games or whatever other indie games, uh, go ahead and buy them. Like if you have the money at full price, if you don't, then go ahead at the, uh, the discounts of the summer sales and stuff like that. Uh, it, it helps. It really helps. Yeah, and also for the physical. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, okay. for the physical release, be be sure to be on time because they. They go out of stock very fast. Yes, they do. <laughs> we, we, we were very like, we were thinking like, is the is the limited run gonna like? Yeah, are people gonna buy the game? Is it gonna be there on the website like forever? What's gonna? Uh, we didn't know. So we we said like on on all our channels, hey, this version is coming out and. It was 10 minutes, 10 minutes for the first thousand units. And it was like, oh my God. <laughs> oh, people are <laughs> we hungry. <were> super... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like nowadays, especially if you're going to do like a limited run, it's more giving people a warning like, hey, if you want this, you're going to have to log on at this time, Eastern Standard Time, because that's what limited run games post. 
Otherwise, you're not going to get one if you don't get on there within the first minute. Like, it's just not happening. Yeah. I think with um, with the Switch release, I think I had to get the triple pack on first press in order to secure a copy. Because I don't think they've done the individual pre-orders yet for the final release for um for a whole new world. Yeah, uh, but, like, I had to go with the triple pack. <laughs> and that didn't last. Yeah, it's going to... It's gonna be very very soon. I think it's in July, no? I don't know the exact date. So it's gonna be coming soon. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's very soon. It's really crazy, and you know how passionate people are about getting their physical games. But you hit the nail on the head when it comes to just supporting indie when they release a game digitally. Because the thing is, is that. A company like First Press or a company like Limited Run Games isn't going to give an indie game a second look if the numbers aren't there from support. And that's the hardest part, I would say, because as you mentioned earlier, like there are a lot of games out there. There's a lot of people working on, on indie-developed titles. So to, quote-unquote, make your mark or get get out there, it's, it's hard without people supporting. And... You know, I mentioned, oh, I'm going to have to triple dip on a whole new world. Well, it's also supporting the whole developer on that part. And then the artwork. And it allows you to do cool artwork. And you know what I mean? Like, it's a it's a double-edged sword where I want my stuff physically, but you also get to support. Yeah, actually, like, um, like for instance, the Kickstarter allowed us to contact uh, the who who is the the concept art who did the old concept art of, of a whole new world and the all the uh, covers and and we could we were we were able to pay him thanks to the kickstarter so yeah it, it really does help well thank you everybody for for coming on for the interview um and make sure that everybody who is listening to check them out at madgeargames.com sign up for their newsletter this podcast will also be available besides for on YouTube over at HagensAlley.com uh, where people can download it. Uh, thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you.